Hi everybody, this is Steve Conover. Just a quick note before we begin this week. We're airing a program from our archives. I know you'll be encouraged today. Chris discusses how God is greater than life from the book of Leviticus. Reach us on our listener line at 888-343-6940. Sign up for a free one-year subscription to Israel My Glory magazine, ask Chris a question to be answered on air, or leave us a comment about our program. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. We'll join our host and teacher, Chris Katulka, in a moment. God is greater than life. Do you believe that? Is that a lens you see through as you face the difficulties in your life? Today, Chris brings us an encouraging word from Leviticus as he challenges us to live each moment in light of the fact that God is greater than life. In our short segment, have you ever stopped to wonder about how Abraham was saved? As a Christian, I can look back on what Jesus did for me, but how were people saved in Old Testament times? We'll answer that today. And as always, we'll hear Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Holocaust survivor and believer in Jesus, Svi Kalisher. Stay with us. Today I want to turn your attention to a phrase that has redefined the way that I see the world as a Christian and the way that I view God in the midst of pain and suffering. It's a phrase that I repeat often, over and over again, to remind me of who I am and who God is. Tragedy, suffering, and pain is really never far away. It's something that can build over time, or it has the ability to strike suddenly, and it can change your life within a few moments. And the truth is, none of us are exempt from pain or hurt. Uh, It happens to the political elite. It happens to a retiree. It happens to the rich. It happens to the poor. My friends, we all suffer. We're all human. And suffering and tragedy, it really has the ability to either pull us closer to God or to shove us away from God. And recently I read an article where the author was talking about this terrible loss in his family, the loss of a baby, uh, his baby, and, and, and in the article, this once devout Christian lost sight of who God is in the midst of this terrible suffering that he is even probably presently going through. And he wrote this, as time passed, however, m- my faith weakened. I lost the feeling of God's presence and the impetus to pray. And perhaps as a consequence, the ideas I had of God began to make less and less sense to me. I lost clarity of what I believed, finally confessing to my wife late one evening that I couldn't honestly say whether or not I still believed in God. And this was not a confession that brought us peace. He'll go on to say in his article that he hasn't become an atheist but more of an agnostic or a skeptic about what he believed and whether or not he believed in it. Now, listen, I'm not speaking to you as someone who is waiting to experience a tragedy like the author did above. Uh, I understand what he's going through. 
a little more than four years ago, on what seemed like an absolutely regular day in my life, I received a phone call that, that changed my life forever, changed my life to this very day. I found out my father, who was only 56 years old, died suddenly. The day before, he was with my family, and then the next day, without any goodbye or I love you, he was gone. And really, through this time of processing the loss of my dad, I came up with this phrase that changed the way that I see God in the midst of suffering and pain. The phrase is this, and it's a really easy phrase to remember because I I really want to encourage you to remember it. And it's this, God is greater than life. The phrase, God is greater than life. It's simple, but it's really changed the way that I that I see the world. It's changed the way that I view God in the midst of of suffering and tragedy. And you know, for many of us, God, he's greater than our jobs. You know, we can handle it if we lose a job. Uh, We know God is greater than our our job. We know God, for, for a lot of us, is even greater than our finances. God is greater than our homes. You know, God can even be greater than than our health, but you know, inside, don't touch my family. Uh, Don't touch my kids. When tragedy breaks its way past those boundaries that we've set up, these boundaries, these walls that we've set up, then for many, it seems like the very existence of God is questionable. But if God is really who he says he is from the Bible, Isn't he greater than life itself? Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that this kind of tragedy should leave us rejoicing. You know, the loss of life should bring us to our knees. It should make us mourn. It should make us cry, uh, as it has done in my own life. It's full of pain and loss and and what might seem like emptiness. And I want to share with you something, because I think the scriptures speak to this idea that God is greater than life, and it builds a perspective for us. And so I want us to go to Leviticus. And you might be thinking, Leviticus, of all places, I did not expect to find a story about uh, God being greater than life from from this book. But the story comes from Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, the high priest. They were doing their priestly duties as the sons of Aaron, And remember, in the story of Nadab and Abihu, they didn't take seriously what they were doing as priests, and they offered the wrong kind of offering to the Lord. And as a result of their misuse of the offering, God struck down Nadab and Abihu. It says that God literally consumed the lives of Nadab and Abihu for offering a strange fire. Listen to what the text says. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered an unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Now listen, typically, and I've done this a hundred times, we can read right over this text. But really, let's stop for a moment and let's put ourselves in Aaron's shoes. 
you know, Aaron, yes, he's the high priest, but he's also a father and he just lost two sons. And whether or not Aaron's sons offered an improper offering, Aaron's world was just shaken to the core as his two sons just died. And when Moses approaches Aaron after this, and Moses says to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all people, I will be glorified. That's what Moses says to Aaron in the midst of Aaron's suffering and his tragedy and his loss. Ultimately, Moses is saying, for those who come near to God, which was the duty of Nadab and Abihu, it must be remembered God's glory, majesty, and exaltation is greater than life itself. No matter what happens, God is greater than life. You know, and it's Aaron's response to Moses when I read through this that changed the way I thought about how to understand God when pain and tragedy are surrounding me. It says in Leviticus 10.3, this is amazing, and Aaron held his peace. You might think Aaron would say, okay, Moses, I'm out of here. I did not sign up for this. Here's my high priestly robe and my high priestly crown. Find somebody new. Forget this, God. I did not ask for this. But instead, it says, Aaron held peace his peace. Aaron, the high priest of Israel, in the face of pain, agreed with Moses's words. God is greater than life. God's mission is greater than life. God's purposes are greater than life. Now listen, this phrase doesn't eliminate the pain of loss. I still miss my father. I'm sure Aaron was heartbroken at the loss of his sons for the rest of his life. But knowing that God is greater than life helps to put any tragedy, any pain or suffering and loss that we're dealing with into a spiritual perspective. You know, if anybody knew this, it was Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't want to die. He prayed against it, remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he knew that God is greater than life. He knew the Father's plan was greater than his own life. So Jesus laid down his life so that we might, sinners, we might gain life. And as a result, God exalted him for his obedience. So my friends, I want to challenge you to start living with this phrase ingrained in your mind. God is greater than life. You will face tragedy if you haven't already. You will face loss if it hasn't come yet. But if you understand that God is greater than life, then it enables us to see the spiritual perspective of what God is doing. And it enables us to look to God in the midst of our pain and suffering and embrace him than to push him away. God is greater than life.
The story on how you became a believer in Jesus is the most powerful tool you have to communicate the gospel to a lost and broken world. And every believer has their own personal story. And that's why I want to introduce you to the story of Lorna Simcox, a Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lorna tells her story of how she came to know Jesus as her Messiah in The Search, a poignant and timely message of one Jewish woman's ardent quest to find answers about faith, God, and life after death. Order your copy of The Search at foiradio.org or call 888-343-6940. That's foiradio.org or 888-343-6940. Today on our short segment, we're going to answer a question that came in recently for Ask FOI. But before we get to that question, I want to encourage you to participate in the Friends of Israel Today radio program by asking a question you might have yourself, a question about the Bible, Israel, or even a question about prophecy. So here's what you can do. Go to foiradio.org, and right there on our homepage is our Ask FOI section. Once you go there, you can simply type in your question. And you can also ask your question by calling our toll-free number, 888-343-6940. I really look forward to hearing from you. So our question today is this, and I think it's a really great question. How did Abraham get saved? The reason this is a great question is because the answer uh, is a foundational truth in the scriptures. How did Abraham get saved is going to have a profound impact on the way that we look at what Paul is writing about in Romans chapter 4. So we'll get there. But first, let's answer this question. You need to look with me in the scriptures. Let's, so let's go to Genesis 15. Now, by this point in Genesis 15 in Abraham's life, God has called him to leave Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq. And, and God called Abraham to journey to the land that God would show him. That's what it says, and that land is the land of Israel. And God promised to make Abraham great. This is an amazing promise. He told Abraham, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you a land, the land of Israel, uh, I'm going to make your descendants countless. I'm going to bless you beyond belief. All of these amazing promises. So that's what encouraged Abraham to go. Abraham left everything that he knew and he followed God. So God did bring Abraham to the land and he gave it to him. And God did bless him along the way. But in Genesis chapter 15, he was still childless and he was old. So Abraham naturally, as any old man probably would, started to question God's ability to keep his end of the bargain. So after Abraham questions God, look with me in Genesis 15, 5, because it says this, and he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. 
I'm sure Abraham was mad and actually had resentment toward God. I, I believe that. Remember, Abraham left everything he knew, my friends. He left his family. He left his friends, his whole life on a promise that God would provide a physical descendant, a son for him. So God reassures Abraham by showing him the heavens and the stars and showing him the number of offspring that he would have. Now look what it says about Abraham in Genesis 15, 6. This is a crucial passage. This is an underlining passage, my friends. This is the one where you pull out the pen, you pull out the pencil, and you underline because it's foundational. Listen here, Genesis 15, 6. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Remember, being saved means you are seen as righteous in God's eyes and not evil. So you are saved from the wrath of God because you're seen as righteous. And look at what qualifies Abraham to be righteous. Look what it says. It's right there in verse 6. He believed in God. He had faith that God would fulfill the promise he made to him. Even though the odds were completely stacked against Abraham and Sarah. Remember, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. But how did Abraham become a believer in the one true God? How did he get saved? He had faith in God. Now watch this. Paul uses Abraham as an example that all peoples, both Jew and Gentile, can be saved, not through the law. My friends, always remember this. The law was never designed by God to provide salvation. But true salvation comes through faith, through belief in Jesus, the Messiah. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Listen to what he says here. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So how was Abraham saved? He had faith that God would fulfill what he promised to him. He had faith in God, and that faith made him righteous in the eyes of the Lord. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. It is 63 years since Israel became a state. Much time has passed, and after everything I endured in my life, I am humbled and amazed I am still alive. I grew up in Poland and have been without parents since the age of 10. Realizing the Nazis were going to invade Poland, 
My mother brought me to a Polish orphanage. I was very blonde and did not look Jewish. She told me, be strong. You are no longer a child. You are a man. And with those words, she left me. I never saw her again. Soon the orphanage was disbanded and I was alone. I had no money, no food, and nowhere to go. Often I was jealous of those who had died. But I remembered my mother's words, Be strong. For six years I lived on the edge of death. When I arrived in Israel, I thought I would have rest. I wondered, how am I still alive? Who was on my side protecting me from all the dangers I faced? In Israel, however, the situation was also dangerous. It was 1948. We were a mere half million people. And when we declared our independence, eight Arab countries descended on us like locusts determined to destroy us. We went from the ship into the army. My job was with the strike force clearing minefields. I was told, you have only one chance. If you make a mistake, you are no more. I was very careful. I never made a mistake. And I kept asking myself, who is on my side? Why am I not dead yet? One evening on Israel's first Independence Day, I was in Tel Aviv. An older lady approached me and gave me a Bible. Leave this soldier, she said, so you will know who is on our side. It was the first time in my life I ever opened a Bible, and this is what I read. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I had finally received the answer to my question. The Lord was on my side. I began to read the Bible. I've had many troubles in life, but the Bible has been my greatest comfort and showed me the way to redemption. I never dreamed I would live long enough to grow old. I have a wonderful wife, three sons, one daughter, 16 grandchildren, and they all love the Lord and are active believers. We started a congregation a number of years ago with a handful of people, and today we are almost 300. One of our sons is the pastor, and some of our grandchildren minister there in music. After the long Via Dolorosa, I passed through in the Holocaust. It is my greatest joy in life to see my family serve the Lord. It is my greatest joy to see what the Lord has done for us here in Jerusalem. And today we are able to help others. I am also thankful to the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, which has been with us from the beginning. As it is written, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. The dramatic reading you just heard is taken from a feature you can read in our bi-monthly magazine, Israel, My Glory. If you enjoy this feature, be sure to sign up for a free one-year trial subscription when you visit israelmyglory.org. You can read Apples of Gold and other free content at israelmyglory.org. 
You can also sign up for a free subscription when you call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Take advantage of this free offer, or if you have a question for Chris to be answered on air, you can call us at 888-343-6940. Write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or, more conveniently, simply visit us at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katulka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallione. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold. And our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.